Welcome to the NFP Adventure Road Trip Podcast. My name is Clayton, and I am joined by two of my closest friends, Taylor and Julia. We partnered with NFP, and we are on a cross-country road trip where we were tasked to explore what is on the minds of the future workforce. Every one of us holds this uncertainty with the next phase of our lives, and we are discovering how our generation perceives this next chapter. This podcast is directed at students, but it is also directed to employers. We're stopping at colleges and universities along the way as we drive coast to coast interviewing students. We stopped in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the University of Pittsburgh, where we interviewed with another amazing student, Teresa, who I met through Generation, the company that originally connected me with NFP. She takes her curiosity, intellect, and passion to create this path for herself that is both motivating and encouraging to listen to. We did the interview in the field right outside of the Heinz Memorial Chapel in Pittsburgh, which was absolutely scenic. We hope you enjoy. I know you've had a ton of experiences, so it's going to be really interesting to dive into kind of your perspective. But go ahead and tell us your year, why you chose to go to the school, your major, and kind of what you're looking for after you graduate. I decided to come to the University of Pittsburgh for a couple reasons. I would say the three most important are I was not ready to leave an urban environment. I love that this campus is in a city. Uh, my mom came to Pitt before I did, so I had a little legacy there and family pride. And I would also say that Pittsburgh is at a really unique situational point where it's a great city for technology, for learning new things, for really starting your life as a young professional. So those are some of the main reasons I came to Pitt. Connecting back to also what you said, uh, I am going into my senior year with scheduled graduation, fingers crossed, April 2019. <laughs> and at Pitt, I am studying supply chain management, business information systems, and then earning an engineering certificate in industrial and environmental engineering. So my interests are at the cusp and intersection of business and engineering. And I hope to graduation, I hope to work as a consultant that allows me to merge those fields together, probably in a technology role. Why did you start to choose those pieces to put together and how did they fit into consulting? So my parents are in business. My brother is an accountant and so business kind of just seemed like this natural way to go. At first actually when I came to school I wanted to be a lawyer and so who knows schooling's not over yet I guess but I um I would say that supply chain management for me was a great balance between qualitative and quantitative thinking and reasoning and that's what was really great for me because I, I like numbers but I don't love them and I'd rather hear from people and I'm much more of a people person. Uh, my dad studied IT in school and so I was really interested in information systems as well and I thought that it went well with supply chain management. But sustainability is my passion if you will and I thought you know if business isn't doing more to be more responsible in this realm you know how can I as a young person and as a young professional help them to do that and I think that is really where my passion lies. I don't know if I'll be able to find a role that suits that perfectly after I graduate but I think you know as young people, we're all really inspired all of the time for good reason to be more socially conscious, be more environmentally aware, and we're going to expect that from future companies and businesses that we work with or work for, and I certainly do. It's a value of mine, and so I thought consulting would be a great way to identify problems, help solve problems, and add value to organizations through these different majors and fields of study. Yeah, where does that passion come from? Is there a specific experience that you've had and is it a conversation that you have with friends of yours? Yeah, so it is actually a conversation. Some of my friends would probably cringe if they heard me talk about this one more time. Um, when I came to Pitt, we're a great research institution and I, you know, had no idea what research was. And so I actually, my freshman year of school uh, through our honors program was kind of 
wanting to get involved with research and was writing a research proposal to do that. And so I wanted to do something in my field of business that also was humanitarian or service oriented. And so I thought sustainability. And I was reading, nerdily enough, in a compilation of Harvard Business School review articles about the cotton harvesting methods for t-shirt production using organic versus inorganic cotton. And it was actually at this odd moment in my life when I was like 18 years old that I realized like, wow, business is really environmentally degrading and what can we do through business models and technology to change that. And so that kind of catapulted me into an extensive research career. It catapulted me to pursue engineering, which wasn't something I originally was doing when I came to Pitt. And you know, I've been able to talk extensively about these things. I actually founded a nonprofit organization that also addresses these types of things. So it was unprecedented, I guess. I don't come from a place where the environment was ever discussed. There was never any education. I don't define myself as an environmentalist or a green thumb. You know, Jane Goodall would probably look at me and say, what the heck? You know, I really have started to look at it from a logical and systems-based point of view, which I think is what adds value to businesses. And so that is where that all came full circle, I guess. And now that I'm a senior, it's kind of weird. So... <laughs> what kind of engineering? Industrial and environmental. Okay. So industrial is, like, I would say the supply, the, the engineering application of supply chain management and vice versa. Lots of process improvement, continuous improvement. Um, you know, my peers in the engineering school kind of joke that it's, you know, fake engineering. Um, it's not, we just don't reinvent the wheel, we improve the wheel. I'd say that in environmental engineering as well, which is a lot of systems-based type thinking and looking at the environment and seeing what we can do from natural systems and to industrialize the systems. And you mentioned you started a nonprofit. Yeah, for sure. So the organization is called Co-op Connecting Ordinary People, and it's a science-based communication organization that works with local organizations, nonprofits, industry experts, scientists, engineers, to translate all of their super specific expertise to what I say is non-technical people. So, you know, in this day and age of, you know, science and climate awareness and fake news, it, it really helps to penetrate all of that and make sure that we're communicating clearly and concisely to have informed decisions in our community. At the end of the day, all of the decisions that we make as community members reflect that. And I'm really passionate in making sure that everyone feels equipped to make decisions that reflect their own values, not it's non-biased, we don't, you know, say one way or another, but it's um, a really great opportunity to make people who have this expertise accessible to people who might not really care about these issues otherwise. Yeah, that's fantastic. And who are the decision makers that you're referring to? Like, who do you think of when you think of the key decision makers? Right, so I think of really just at a very broad, high level community members. So, you know, you don't need to have a fancy schmancy title to, you know, have a say in the way that your community is organized, operates, and, you know, ultimately, you know, what I love about Pittsburgh is, we're, you know, we're constantly ranked as a great place for young people to come, and it's exciting, it's fun, it's this and that, but, you know, we're a small town feel in an urban environment, and I think that's awesome. You know, we're not going to compare it to the New Yorks, the San Francisco's, or even the Boston's of the world, but, you know, Pittsburgh has a really great, you know, unique history, and we're doing a lot to kind of shift from our steel inefficiently environmentally damaging past to be more environmentally sustainable and you know operationally efficient and I think that's really great and I think empowering young people to be those decision makers is really where it starts because we're the future generation. So how can corporations learn from that like what when you interview with a company what kind of questions do you ask them and what are you looking right. for them to like find that fit that matches your passion with? Skills. Right. So I will say, you know, I've had two really standout internship experiences with local companies here in Pittsburgh that have really helped for me to understand, you know, how these issues work into their business models and the way that they conduct their business. And, you know, I've worked for a transportation logistics company and the electric utility. So those are two like really big environmentally conscious things because they do a lot of damage, you know, in some sense. But I would say, you know, 
questions that I ask is, you know, how does sustainability fit into your company? What are you doing? Is it just a philanthropic volunteer based initiative or is it, you know, embedded into your business model? And what are you doing to really challenge the status quo, innovate, you know, conduct research and development, all of these things and sort of big business buzzword there. But, you know, really to understand, you know, what it is it that they're doing and understand that, you know, people like me coming into the company do care about these things. We don't ask these questions because it sounds good or it's professional, but CSR, corporate social responsibility, is something that I think a lot of young people, whether they realize it or not, care about and they want their organizations to also care about. I want my personal brand to be affiliated with a corporate brand that values what I value. And I think that shared sense of value is, you know, starts at those interview questions, but goes throughout the time you're at a company and, you know, know that, you know, we have power to speak up. We're company employees as well. And then you guys can see where the cookie crumbles, I guess. So, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. So what are your non-negotiables when you're going to choose a job or a company? Right. I would say certainly sustainability in a broad sense. You know, I want to know exactly what they're doing and, you know, how I could participate, how I could help, how I could contribute. Um, you know, something else that I really do care about is, you know, flexibility. You know, I worked one job one summer where I had to be there at a certain time every single day. No, you know, not a minute later. And then this summer I worked a great job where, you know, it's okay if traffic was bad or the bus ran a little late. And that's just really nice, knowing that you're not going to be like looked at when you come into the office, you know. You know, for me also, it's the people that I work with. I think that is pretty much, you know, as far as every experience with any job goes is really important. And I think how a company treats its employees in any sense is a reflection of how those employees treat their colleagues. And I think, you know, just kind of seeing that and seeing, you know, people talking in each other's cubes or at each other's desks is a great indication right off the bat to the company's climate and its culture. And I would say that, you know, I guess I can't say vacation days or pay or things like that because, you know, I'm just graduating college. But, you know, I would say that those things are what would make a really great professional development experience right out of college. Going into your career right after college, what ways would you like to see yourself grow professionally and personally? Right. So professionally, I think I'd you know want to be at a company where I can interface with departments or business units that are not my own. So you know certainly my background is in supply chain and IS. I kind of see that's where I'll probably go after college. But I'd like to learn more about human resources. I'd like to learn more about finance, a little bit about accounting, just a little bit though, not too much about accounting. Um, and you know understand that you know we're all a company and that it's not just this division did, does this and this division does that. You know I really want to see the cross functionality in a professional workspace. But personally, I'd like to understand, you know, where my career is headed. I think young people today are so challenged by the fact that we think we have to figure it all out right after we get our, you know, our diplomas and that everyone has to go to college. And, you know, what I've learned in college is that there is not one way to do something. And it's, thank God, because I think there is so much pressure, almost too much for people to think 10 years out and not truly enjoy the present and, you know, contribute true value to an organization when they're constantly worried about 10 years from now. And so I think personally, some idea of a future trajectory is fantastic, but I also think, you know, the ability to, you know, seize the day, seize the moment and really grow in that time and enjoy where you're currently at is also really important. And that's something I know personally I have to work on. And so I'm hoping that my professional work-life balance helps with that, but who knows? Time will tell, I guess. (laughs) What excites you most about moving into the professional workforce and what scares you? I think what excites me most is that, you know, I feel like I've had incredible opportunities throughout my four years at Pitt and, you know, I'm excited to, you know, put those to the test and see, you know, how well prepared I really am for the real world and, you know, where I can adapt, where I can be more flexible. Um, I certainly, you know, 
think that that will be most exciting. Um, what scares me, I guess, is that you don't know. You know, I think in America, you know, we go to school for so many years of our life, and then when the school's out, it's like, what do I do now? I mean, certainly I think I'll go back to school later in my life. I don't think I'm done yet. But I, um, I think what scares me is the unknown, because I think in today's world, so much is unknown. The way technology will change and transform our lives and our communities, the way what we'll learn, you know, from a legal standpoint as technology continues to, you know, integrate into our society. There will be so many jobs that don't exist today that exist probably three years from now. And it'll be crazy to see how that fits into all of our professional lives. And I think it's kind of scary, though, because, you know, you think you have a solid degree and a solid, you know, career field, and maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe supply chain won't exist at some point, you know? So. No, I, I agree. NFP is an industry-leading insurance broker and consultant that provides employee benefits, property and casualty, retirement, and individual private client solutions through their licensed subsidiaries and affiliates. They're changing the landscape of this industry, which is one of the many reasons why we were so excited to partner with them. They've taught us about their initiatives to adapt to the changing work environment, inspire innovation across different areas in order to establish themselves as thought leaders. It's been an inspiring experience for us, which we know will reflect in the content of this podcast for you. Oftentimes, we don't expect companies to extend an arm like NFP has and start a conversation like this, so we're very lucky. We have seen what they are doing to hire more actively for diversity and inclusion because a diverse workforce is imperative to true innovation and progress. If you could start working tomorrow for a company, who would it be and why? All right, that's a good question. Uh, IBM is definitely where I'd want to work if I had a choice and if you know they they take me. Um, I think the reason being is because I think research and development is so crucial and core to the company's success, and I think that's what's been crucial and core to my success as an undergraduate student here at Pitt in a research institution. Um, I think also that there's so many different business functions. I know specifically what is inspiring as a female professional, that IBM invests heavily in women, that their CEO is a woman, and it's just really great to see that in what has traditionally been a male-dominated field of technology. Um, I also think IBM just doing awesome stuff, and I think that they're really out to change the world, and yet they have the security and establishment of an old company. And so I think that's where I'd go if I had that choice. <laughs> how do you think, because you mentioned uncertainty. Yeah. Um, how do you think that a company can help to alleviate some of that uncertainty? Yeah, you know, I think a company can do a lot of things to alleviate uncertainty, you know, even through the interview process and recruitment process. Yeah. You know, I think realizing, like, we're people too. You know what I mean? Like, most people have to go through this job search thing. And I think it's really dehumanizing sometimes you know you put yourself on a piece of paper and that's what represents you and you're supposed to you know hope that gets you far, far enough I, I think that about GPA I think about that about majors minors certificates think about that about experiences and you know what makes Teresa Teresa what makes Clayton Clayton you know those types of things I think are so important and if you're really thinking that your corporation is what you know drives the success you know it's you're only good as good as your people and I think Treating people like people is so important. You know, we're not cogs in the wheel. You know, we add value and we have insights and perspective that is valuable to organizations. Otherwise, we wouldn't be studying and we wouldn't be pursuing these types of things. And I think that's really what 
I would want any company to realize, you know, for any person in any role, not inside or outside of business. Yeah. Is there a specific experience that you can think of where you really valued the way the company treated you or the way the company treated the employees or maybe the opposite? Right. So I think what really comes out, you know, stands out, I should say, is my past experience with UK Light Company this summer. You know, my boss, I can't even like, it was just incredible. I mean, he's young. He, he has so much experience. He was so willing, you know, to teach and instruct and help, you know, me to learn what this man has known for his entire career. And, you know, he, he treated me like an equal. He said, good morning, Teresa, every time he was in the office. And there's just something about that that really makes you think that you're appreciated. You know, and I, I think that they do a great job in my department. I was in the supply chain department of this company that everyone was like that. You know, I was an intern, but I was never treated like one. And I think that in the best ways possible. And I think, you know, that's really where I realized, like, wow, what, what a great company culture. You know, people probably don't think the local electric utility is like, it's not a Google, it's not an Airbnb, but, you know, you have a really important role in the, in the company in your community to, you know, make sure the lights are on and you're providing safe and reliable power. So I would say like that is what's been really great. I mean, and it's funny because you don't really, I think, think of people who with engineering backgrounds and operational backgrounds as these warm, welcoming people, but this man was just the best. And so it'll be really hard to leave that kind of management and find it somewhere else, I think. Sure. What is your most and least favorite buzzword? (laughs) <laughs> most and least favorite buzzword I love this question okay can I can I make it a phrase sure, yeah. so my least favorite is circle back around people use this all the time they're like let me circle back around to that or you know I just wanted to circle back and talk and touch base with you and I'm like come on really like it's just so jargony and I joke about that in business all the time but I guess my favorite would be stakeholder I feel like I use that a lot I, uh, you know, like, let's let's make sure we're reaching out to the stakeholders on this project. Let's make sure we're consulting these people. I, I would say stakeholders is my favorite. And I, I use that word way too much. And, and in settings and in speech, we're like, it really doesn't even make sense to use the word stakeholder. Yeah. Like, when I'm talking to my mom and, like, my brother's the stakeholder and the outcome of the decision, I'm like, let me talk to my brother, you know, so stuff like that. That's awesome. At 25, 26, 27 years old, describe your idea, ideal work week. That's a great question. Um, so... I, you know, if it was ideal, I think I'd want to be working abroad, specifically in Copenhagen, Denmark. I'd be wanting to work for Vestas, which is one of the most, uh, I would say, innovative and awesome companies to work for in the world for wind turbine engineering. Um, I think that they do really great things. Um, an ideal work week would be that of a Danish work week, which is about 35 hours a week. So, you know, and, but you love every moment that you're at your job and, you know, I, you know, you're not rushing to work. You ride your bike to work. You have a cup of coffee in the morning. You talk to your coworkers, but not too much because they're Danish and they don't need to talk too much. But um, I would say, you know, not like the American workplace. But uh, I think that's what I'd wanted to be doing, working abroad and seeing it from a different world. I mean, I've been born and raised and then stuck around in Pittsburgh for 21 years of my life. So I think it's about time I see something else. Yeah. Do you think it's important to kind of have that perspective and see other cultures? And what value does that do you think that adds? I do. You know, I, I really do. So I've only been abroad once in my life, and it was to Denmark. <laughs> and so I was there for about six weeks, and I loved it. And I really thought when I went there, like, you know, everyone's going to kind of look like me. I'm German and Irish, so the Danes wouldn't appreciate me saying everyone looks like me. But I'm a little too short. But, you know, looking very European, can speak English very well as, as the Danes can. And, you know, I thought it was going to be really easy to, you know, acclimate to that. And, and it wasn't. There, the cultural differences are, are, mag- are, are huge. And I, I would also say, like, for our generation, I really do think that global expertise and experience is what's going to be our next checkbox. You know, for my mom's generation, it was an MBA. But now I think it's going to be, have you worked in a global organization abroad, not in your own country, 
and have you gained and garnered that perspective and how does that influence the way you conduct yourself as a business professional and I, I think that's really where that will change and I keep I saying that because that. I hope that is because I, I need to see something else guys yeah. but you know that's yeah. what I'm thinking well globalization is inevitable I think that that's going to be the next thing I think you're right on point because you got to find something that separates you from you know the competition and it gets more competitive every year oh you're right no and you know what it's americans that are like so afraid of it like i know so many people that travel from china from india from these countries literally thousands like eight thousand plus miles away and they're starting their life here and they're doing whatever it takes to ensure their success it's time that we do the same thing you know i agree globalization is inevitable and i think if we really want to have global impact we need to understand the interconnectedness of our global world and i think that's where companies come into play with that as well um, yeah, so I think it's really inspiring and how well you know yourself and your passions and have pursued them. But I would say that the average freshman or sophomore doesn't have that insight on themselves yet or what they want to do. So what would your advice be to, let's say someone coming into their sophomore year of college just feeling like they don't really know what direction they want to go at all? So I would say, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that specific year because I think sophomore year is one of the best ones because you're not you're not a first year anymore, but you still have a good portion of your college career left that I think, you know, as all things I would say in college, like we are given so many at any school you go to, so many unique opportunities to really develop ourselves. And I think spending time with yourself in college is so important and so underrated. Like nobody wants to be the person that goes to Chipotle by themselves or sits and contemplates life over a cup of tea. I, I'm voluntarily that person all the time, but I um too much so probably but I would really say you know give yourself the time to get to know yourself I mean I've been fortunate you know find a mentor that can help do that for you you know whether that be a professor an older peer I know we were both in organizations in college that were co-ed business professional organizations that really helped to do that for me and you know join a club talk to people you know put yourself out there at, at, at the end of the day we're all trying to do that for ourselves and the person that you hurt the most at the end of the day is yourself if you don't invest in yourself and I, I, I would do that you know and there's no perfect way to achieve success you don't need to have the internship on Wall Street if you want to be an investment maker someday and you don't need to be working at Google if you want to learn code you know there are so many ways to do so many things and find what works best for you not what works best for your friend and so easier said than done I know sophomores and freshman of the year but yeah finish out this episode, Taylor and I are going to share a little bit of a fun segment that we did in the car. After we had asked Teresa what her favorite buzzword was, we started bouncing off each other some of the buzzwords that came to mind and how overused they can be. And while they're incredibly useful in certain contexts, when you take them out of context, they're absolutely hysterical. We hope you enjoy this and have a great laugh, and we're looking forward to the next episode once we share this with you. And so what are our main deliverables? Yeah, we're, <laughs> empowerment. <laughs> After lunch, you should come back in. Let's brainstorm. Mm -hmm. Taylor, I have this proposition for <laughs> Taylor, I have this proposition for you. And I've outlined it in a deck that I put together that kind of goes through our three set of objectives. And those are synergy, diversity, and scalability. And I think that if we can make sure that we have enough coming in 
to change the paradigm going forward. We'll be able to reach out in the right places and be proactive about our plans. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll be able to make that happen because at the end of the day, once you get all your ducks in a row, perception is reality. You know, and we got we to gotta start hitting on the pain points here. We got to, you know, we got to start talking about our deliverables, you know, how we're going to crowdsource this project. If we're going to crowdsource this project, you know, the collaborative consumption, we got to see the dynamics of each of our temp- team members. We need to spearhead this project. And we need to get big data involved, send their information down the pipeline. Um, you know, it's a critical path that we must take to make sure that our mind is mapped and that we are innovative and that our out-of-pocket uh, costs are under control, that we ramp up production ASAP. I think that if we can align our goals, <laughs> we definitely need to amplify our marketing strategy a little bit. We need to uh, disrupt the market. The only problem is there might be some out-of-pocket costs. You know what? You know what? Let me shoot. Let me shoot Brad an email real quick. <laughs> Do you have a bandwidth for that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, but you know what? At the end of the day, low hanging fruit. Go always go for the low hanging fruit. <laughs> always. We hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. <laughs> we was that was painful. It's so bad.